Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to be here. I'm, I'm so excited about this morning. We have come to the end of our conversations with Jesus sermon series. I'm not excited because we've come to the end of the series, but I'm excited to share with you uh, another conversation of Jesus. Hasn't it been amazing? And I'm sure that everyone can attest to the work that God has done in each and every one of our lives during this time. So um, I have the great privilege of preaching from John 17 this morning, and this was actually one of the last conversations that Jesus had. It was a prayer, actually. Uh, if you look in your Bible, the heading up top might even say the high priestly prayer. Some people who have uh, given commentary on this portion of Scripture have, re have referred to it as the real Lord's Prayer. It's the longest prayer that Jesus prayed in, in, the, in the Bible. And what makes it so important is that this was the night before Jesus died. This was the last prayer that he prayed. The title of my message this morning is Jesus' last prayer, his final prayer. Now, as mentioned, Jesus knew that he was going to die the next day. And the content of his prayer was very significant. I don't know if you have ever been with a person who knew that they were going to pass away the day to come. Have you ever been with a person who prayed a prayer knowing that this could possibly be their final prayer? For myself, I haven't, but if I can share from my life, one of, one, one of the moments in my life which is, compares to this is my sister's husband uh, died from a stroke in his mid-30s. It was a tragic time in our family's uh, life and he was in hospital he had had a stroke and they had him on a ventilator the family gathered around his hospital bed and we had an opportunity to pray with him even in that moment the prayer that I prayed I was just thinking Lord what do I pray what, what do I say to my sister how do I how do I encourage her how, how do I pray in this moment and it was very sobering for me. There was great clarity in my thoughts and just, I was very purposeful in what I prayed. So as we go into this portion of scripture, as we hear about what Jesus is encouraging us to keep this in mind, I don't think Jesus would have just prayed anything. He prayed very specifically. Before we read the portion, I want to just make note of the three points that I'm going to be speaking about today. Jesus prays for three things. He First of all, he prays for himself, that Jesus would be glorified. He then prays for his disciples, that they would be sanctified. And thirdly, he prays for the church, that the church would be unified. I want to suggest to you that what Jesus prayed on the last night of his life we should be praying every night of our lives. Won't you turn in your Bibles to John 17, and let's read from verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heavens and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, 
having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Verse 6, I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying to the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, yours and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I've guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the, script, the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the word has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me, through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me. And love them even as you love me. Father, desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. To see my glory that you have given me, because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Father, this is the prayer that your son prayed to you on the night before he was crucified. Father, I love that Jesus addressed you as father. He did not address you as a servant or as your subject, but he addressed you as your son. And Father, I pray that as we look into this portion of scripture, would you speak to us as a father? Would we hear your heart with regards to us as your disciples and, and as your church? And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you come and you open up our hearts to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, what a, what a portion. And uh, 
for the next couple of minutes, I'm going to try my best to just share with you what I feel like God has shown me. And um, when I started with this, this scripture, it, there was just so much in it. I read through it about 10 times before I could even gather and order my thoughts. So the first thing that Jesus prays for is himself. Jesus glorified. Verse 1, it says, Father, the hours come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Now, it might be strange to think that Jesus starts this prayer by praying for himself. But the key we need to look for is why is Jesus praying for himself? He's saying, Father, glorify me so that I may glorify you. The Webster's Dictionary defines glorify as the following, to make glorious by bestowing honor, praise, or admiration, to elevate to astronomical glory, to light up brilliantly. Isn't that so descriptive? So Jesus is saying, Father, won't you elevate me? Won't you make me glorious? Won't you light me up so that in turn I can light you up, so that I can elevate your name, so that I can make you glorious? That is the key in, in Jesus' prayer. When we look at the B part of, of verse 1, Jesus says that I want to glorify you, Father. He means he wants to value him for who God truly is. Giving glory to God acknowledges God's true character. Does your life represent the true character of God? That's quite an extreme thought. I'm like, wow, how do I do that? How do I live my life to reflect the true nature of God? It's impossible to do without God's help and the Holy Spirit. Louis Giglio, he uses the following phrase. He says, me for you. What he is saying is that, God, won't you glorify me so that I can glorify you? We need to make a decision to use that whatever God sends our way, we need to direct people's attention back to God, whether they are good or bad circumstances. I think the world's economy is not me for you, it's me for me. And the world tries to build an empire of gain and success around the individual. But God's economy is a me for you economy where we as disciples of Jesus will want to glorify him with our lives. It's not always good that we face in our lives. Sometimes God brings glory to himself by how joyously we as believers suffer. What do you do when you experience suffering like Jesus did? How confident will you remain even in the pain? If I can share a little bit from my own life, again, when I was 18 years old, my father died in a car accident. I was a follower of Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 14 years old. So it wasn't new to me, but in that moment, my world was rocked. I experienced a tremendous amount of pain and confusion, and I, I just, I wasn't sure how to cope with it. It, it, it feels surreal, but in moments like that, you have may, may have faced similar moments. In, in those moments, are we able to say that in the midst of pain, we have a treasure that is greater than health or any earthly benefits? When we say in the midst of confusion and disappointment that we can trust God 
and his loving purposes for our lives, if we can do that, guess what we are declaring? We are declaring that God is trustworthy because of what he did at the cross and that I can trust him. And to be honest, that's all that I could hold on to at that time. That's all that I could really believe in my heart, knowing, God, the, this is unreal, but I know that I can trust you because of what you did for me through the life of Jesus. When we do that, it brings glory to his name. In verse 4, it says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus prayed this on the last night of his life. Shouldn't we pray this every night of our lives? What, what a great prayer. Secondly, Jesus prayed for his disciples. He prayed that his disciples would be sanctified. Verse 11, Holy Father, keep them in your name. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. He prays not that his disciples would be removed out of the world, but they would be kept by the power of God in the world. The Greek word for that word keep means to watch over or to guard. Let, let's just pause there. Jesus is praying for you, his disciple. And he is saying, Father, won't you keep them? Won't you watch over them? Won't you guard them? That should bring security and just so much trust into our hearts. True discipleship is not an isolation from the world. It's living like Jesus in the world. David Platt says that our mission is not to disinfect Christians and put them on a shelf, but that we should disciple them and put them into service. Isn't that great? What happens when you remove yourself from the world? You lose your witness. And that's the very reason why God has got us here on this earth, so that we would advance his kingdom. In verse 17, Jesus prays, sanctify these disciples. Sanctify means set apart or made holy. How are we made holy? By isolating ourselves from the world? No, but by the truth. Sanctify them in the truth, the truth of your word. Jesus wants us in the world but he doesn't want us to be shaped by the world. How do we live a holy life within the world? We live a holy life by knowing the word of God. The easiest way to identify a lie is when we know the truth. This is one of the encouragements that I give to my children. I want my children to be able to apply the word of God to their lives. We say to our children that we are not always going to be there to help them make the right decisions. But when they know, when they receive the word of God and when they internalize it into their own lives, this will help them make a decision in the world that we live in. And this is what Jesus is saying. Sanctify them by the truth. And you know what, folks, in order for us to live a holy life in this world, it, Jesus says here that, Father, keep them. We are kept by God when we respond to what this, this book says. This book is not just a set of rules and some practical guidelines for our lives. It's, it's the spoken word of God, and we should respond to it as if our lives depend upon it. In verse 17, Jesus says, sanctify them in truth. This was G Jesus prayed this on the last night 
that he was alive, shouldn't we be praying this every night of our lives? The third point that Jesus prayed is that he prayed for his church, that the church would be unified. Verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. If you sit and think about this, which I have done over the last few weeks, it's crazy what Jesus is saying here. First of all, Jesus does not pray for the world, but he prays for the believers in the world. You may think that this is selfish and strange, but think about this. When you take a flight and the flight attendants prepare you for the flight, they say that in the case of a loss of cabin pressure, you will receive oxygen. The one thing that they say to you is, please put your oxygen on before you assist anyone. Now, if I was flying with my family and that had to happen I, and I had to feel the struggle of breathing, I would want to help my children and my family first. But it's in their best interest that I get my oxygen on so that I can be alert to help them, the ones that I love. We pray primarily for God to raise up and strengthen believers in the church so that they can point others to Jesus. The church is God's plan A for the world, people. The church is God's plan for the world in making the good news known. It's one of the main things that Jesus prayed for on the last night that he was alive. Jesus then prays that we would internalize the love of God. In John 13, 35, Jesus says that all people will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. He also prayed that his disciples would be so perfectly one that the world may believe that the Father sent Jesus. Jesus is saying that not by our preaching or the great worship songs that we write or the fantastic events that we organize will the world know who he is and know that you are his disciple. The love that we have for one another will show the world that we are his disciples. Jesus says that we should be perfectly one as he and the Father are one. Is that even possible? Jesus said it, so yes, I believe we can, we can work towards that, but with, with the help of the Holy Spirit, he can empower us to love one another. And, and the result is a unified church that can share the good news and advance the kingdom of God. We want to be a people who love each other deeply and show this by our sacrifice. We seek a bond that surpasses that of our natural families. And it's only possible because of our common fellowship with Jesus. In verse 23, Jesus says, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Jesus prayed this on the last night that he was alive. Don't you think that we should pray this every night of our lives? Let me wrap this up by saying, if Jesus was praying these things and he understood the situation, don't you think we should pay careful attention to the encouragement? 
He has even more encouragement. Jesus has not stopped praying in chapter 17. He went on from this prayer to the cross to make each of his prayer points a reality. The book of Hebrews tells us that after he resurrected, he went and he sat down at the right hand of God, constantly making intercession for us. Right now, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and I believe he's still praying these three things. That, he would, that, that God would use our lives, that he would glorify us so that we can glorify him that he would sanctify us as his disciples so that we can live in this world and that, that we would be unified as a church. I'd love for us to pray together as I end this morning. So won't you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for the conversations that Jesus had and which we've studied over these last couple of weeks. Lord, it's, it's incredible, Lord. It, it reveals the character of Jesus. It reveals your nature towards us. And we want to say thank you. Thank you, Father, that you are loving and caring. But thank you that you have given us a purpose to go out into this world and to share the good news. Jesus, you displayed it by laying down your life. You gave everything everything that you had. And we know that you want us to respond accordingly. So Father, I pray that you would use our lives as we live in this world. We pray that you would continue to sanctify us as we reach into your word and as your Holy Spirit encourages our spirits. And I pray that as the church, Father, we would always strive for unity and that we would fight for unity and that we would remain united through the love to one another. In Jesus' name, amen.